Thanks so much for joining us today for our podcast. We're currently in an exciting series called Any Given Sunday, where we'll be taking a look at God's given opportunities in every season of life. We know you'll be blessed by this message. Check it out. Hey, grab your Bibles while you stay standing for a moment. I wanna read a passage of Scripture. I like to stand for the reading of God's Word to honour God and to honour the power that comes with it. And I'm excited for what God is going to do today. I feel, I feel like there's so much in store. We haven't even, we haven't even started to scratch and it's already, it's already good, amen. Can we thank the worship team again? Just, isn't it great to have Pastor Carly back in the house? I would like to say back from vacation, but it wasn't vacation. It was a grind, but God is in the grind, amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. I'll let you know that this passage is in fact the very passage that this church was birthed out of. This passage was the foundation that God gave Kira and I as we started this church. Even before this was a church, God gave us this Scripture as His promise for what He was gonna build. So check this out. It says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from His glorious, that from His, His glorious, unlimited resources, He would give you mighty inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep. Everybody say deep. How deep His love is. May you experience, may you experience the love of Christ. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness and life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I like how it says it in the New King James. It says, now to Him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that works. Come on, exceedingly, abundantly, above, exceedingly. Come on, that tells me God wants to exceed even your greatest expectations. God is not limited to your limitations. God is not limited to your ability. God is not even limited to your asking ability. God is able to exceed every expectation that you thought were unmet. God can exceed it. He is a glorious God who believes in Him today that God wants to exceed even your limited expectations. I'm excited for this series. We're kicking off a brand new series today called Any Given Sunday. And apparently it's a football movie as well. I didn't know that, but that's just how deep God works without you even knowing God's working and He's pulling together. But I'm excited for this Series, and I've, I've got a sermon today that I'd like to talk about because I'd love to talk about expectation. I'd love to talk about the difference between expectation and experience. How many people know that they're often not aligned? That sometimes they're different what you expect from what you experience. And I'd like to ask the question or navigate the question how do I consistently follow Jesus when my expectations don't match my experience? Anybody else like to know that today? And I've given this sermon a title. Are you ready for it? The title of the sermon is The Miracle 
in the mud. The miracle in the mud. It's in Spanish for all those Spanish speaking people here. Where's my, where's my Tijuana people? Where, where are my Tijuana people at? They're here in the middle. All the way from Tijuana, they came up for Sunday. Oh, from Venezuela. So I wasn't just categorizing it. I just wasn't in Venezuela last weekend. But any Spanish-speaking country, any heritage. Hola. Hola, como estas? Señor, is no working. Why don't you do something real quick? Because we need to preach. Why don't you find five of the best looking people you can and tell them it's going to get messy in here. It's about to get messy in this church. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Five people, five people, five people, five people. Thank you, worship team. Welcome to church. I'm excited for what God has today and I'm excited to kind of just share something different. Um, I wanted to kind of just talk to you today about a few things, expectation, but I wanted to kick it off in a special way. And in a moment, I'll invite up a good friend of mine, dear friend of mine, actually two dear friends of mine. Um, I'm not gonna invite them both up, but, but they are both my dear friends and our dear friends. And I, I love how God is building our church. And even before we, we even tread foot here in the U.S. soil, on U.S. soil, God had spoken to us so much about having a church of influence. And influence comes in many different spheres. There's different spheres that the church is made up of. I don't know what your sphere is. Maybe, maybe it's in the professional arena, in education, in sport, in religion. I don't know what your sphere is, but I like that God is bringing influences and people who will influence their sphere for the glory of God. Amen. And, and we have been blessed with many influences in this church who are unashamedly declaring the good news of Jesus Christ in their sphere. That takes guts. That takes boldness. So I wanted to do something just to kind of help me preach. I asked him if he'd help me preach this Sunday. And without hesitation, he said yes. So could we welcome up Dylan Thompson, who is QB, Q, quarterback. for the? Come on, let's give him a big ovation. Looking very sharp today, I might add. And Dylan and Melanie, his wife. Can, Melanie, can you stand up for us real quick? Let's, let's give Melanie a hand. She loves the limelight. Had to stop her from preaching this morning. But um, these guys are a blessing to us and have been uh, become incredible friends of ours. And uh, every time I get to talk to them, I'm so impressed with what comes out of them. Just the their convictions of who God is and what God is doing. And I thought, man, our church needs to hear this. Our church needs to not just see someone in a position of pressure and influence, but, but really see the consistency of their life. And that'll preach. But I thought because you guys don't know Dylan so well just yet, you're going to get to know him. They're a part of our church. Um, but I thought we could just do a, a quick lightning round of questions just to get to know you. How many people would like to get to know Dylan Thompson? Are you ready for this? We're ready. Bring it on. Okay. So, so Dylan, we'd like to know, action or romance? Action. Ice cubes or crushed ice? Crushed ice. A desert or a deserted island? Uh, deserted island. Superpower choice. Would you choose speed or strength? Speed. Oh, least favorite chore? Uh, probably folding laundry. Folding laundry. Uh, 
Mild one. Mild or spicy? Mild, for sure. Okay. Oh. <laughs> the Spanish. You lost your Spanish crowd right Everyone's now. Everyone's done. <laughs> Let's see how quick you are on this one, this, this service. Favorite preacher? Uh, I'm stuck. Like, hey, come on. Adam, of course. He knows that. He knows that. He likes to play with me. <laughs> Panthers or Broncos? Panthers. Okay. Just creating some margins in this church, amen? Some division. Hey, well, I wanted to kind of just kick off, and obviously uh, everyone is getting to know you a lot more. You've been out here in the Bay Area with your bride for almost a year now. You have come out of college football. What, what college were you at? University of South Carolina. See, no one cares here. It's... Nobody. <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's good, though. It's, it's a good team, right? Amen. Yeah, we're pretty good. Yeah. Okay. You were really good when you were playing for them, especially. Yeah, it, was, it was good. The SEC, nobody likes that out here, but that's... Okay. <laughs> okay, we've got some, some Southerners here. So here's the thing. Coming out of football at college level, kind of being at the top of the game, getting, getting a lot of interviews, a lot of interest from, from pro leagues, and then stepping into the pro league. Tell us what that experience has been like for you. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the last year has been crazy uh, for us. Uh, we got married. That was the highlight for sure. Definitely. Way better than getting signed by a pro football team. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, that, that's been great. And then uh, something really unique, I guess, is like you were saying, in college, um, especially in the SEC, in the South, it's like church football is like yeah, even, right? constantly <laughs> battling. Yeah. <laughs> so um, everyone knows who everyone is, you know, and it's a big deal. And then coming out here and like 99.9 of percent of people probably think I work at Google or something. Right, right. So, uh, but... Because um, you look like a Googler, yeah. Yeah, but, right? Yeah. But, uh, no, um, it's, been, it's been cool for us to, uh, to learn, you know, uh, different culture, completely different culture, but uh, the football side of things, it's, it's definitely been a learning experience uh, for us. Um, just... Because uh, even in your expectation when you get signed for the Niners... Yeah, this is... You expect to go to San Francisco, right? Yeah, because they're called the San Francisco 49ers. So <laughs> I, I, get, I get on a plane going to SFO and we land and we're on a, in a bus for like 30 minutes. And so I'm like, yo, where, where are the Niners? And so we, we're going to Santa Clara and that's literally the first time I knew that the Niners were in Santa Clara. Is that when they just went, surprise guys? <laughs> yeah, so um, that, that's just the first example of the world not meeting expectations or me not meeting the world. So either way. Right, okay, and so... I mean, coming in, you had to have expectations. You had to have a lot of hopes. Like, you know, even if it's not expectations, you're like, man, I hope this really works out good. Did you expect to kind of get signed uh, onto the practice squad? What was that experience? Yeah, somewhat. Because, um, you know, they, have a, they had a quarterback that a few people recognize, yeah. Colin Kaepernick. You know, he's mildly popular around here. And, Fairly well known, yeah. No, so he was here, and then they had another veteran guy. Um, so, you know, you kind of come in, somewhat expecting to either practice squad or you get cut. You know, you don't really know. Um, but the coolest thing, and I'll, I'll say for, for Melanie and I, was you really have to trust God. Because, you know, if you, if you go in, especially at the NFL, and I'm sure it's similar for a lot of you guys in, in the corporate world or whatever your field is, if you go in really, truly relying on just you, you're going to come up, you know, broken, empty. It's not going to meet your needs or meet your, your wants. And so the, the coolest thing for me, and this is, you know, touching on kind of my walk, is I've never met anyone. So even in the NFL, everyone thinks it's this great life, which is, is fun. But you always have people that 
you know, man, that didn't meet my expectations or you're not meeting their expectations or whatever it may be. But with Jesus, I've never had anyone come up to me and say, you know, Dylan, I, I really regret following Jesus, wow. man. <laughs> right. Come on, that'll preach. And, and I think it's because, you know, yes, sometimes you, you have to wait on God, but he never disappoints. And so for me, you know, you can be disappointed by profession or people every single day, but Jesus is never going to disappoint us. And that's something that, that I enjoy and that we enjoy. That's amazing. And that's a, a consistency that has helped carry you even in from, I guess, pre-married college experience into career now, wife, as now your husband. How has that kind of shifted your perspective or your relationship with God? Um, I'll just say that, all along, I think the common theme, I think in marriage, I think in profession, um, I've tried to, to carry along hard work. And uh, I think the Bible's clear about working hard. I, it, it just bothers me so much, like makes me furious, honestly, when I see like a lazy Christian. You don't want to make Dylan furious, okay? Just letting you know, right? right. No. Um, yeah, lazy Christians, right. I, I'm not too intimidating, I don't think. But um, no, uh, I just feel like as believers, people should notice something different in us. And that's not just on a street corner telling how much Jesus loves them, which is great. But I mean... Every day at work or wherever you are, wow, integrity, character, right. and and so for me, what what I try to do in in my line of work is I try to be the first guy there every single day, so that way they know, you know, is this guy is he about what he says he's about, and and you know he believes the Bible. What does that say about hard work? And that that for me is you know why I try to get there sometimes you know four or five in the morning, but they know that I'm there and they know that I'm doing the very best I can do. That's right. And, you know, I think that was powerful for us walking this journey with you, seeing that how hard you work, like extremely hard. You're up very early and I think I get up early and then you text me and you're already up uh, and you're already and then late. You, you're, there, you're the last one there. So has that got to do with just who you are in Christ? Is that why you, you do that? I would say so. I don't think anyone could make a, a fair argument for, for being a believer and, and being lazy. Wow. I mean, I, I don't think so. No, that's true. I just oh, so good. <laughs> Everyone's quiet there because it's really hitting home. Okay. No, I just. You know when they don't say amen is when it's really hitting. Okay. It's, I got to learn. I've you. learned that one. Yeah, yeah. I got to learn. But uh, no, I, I just, I'm, I'm thankful. You know, God doesn't have to put us where he's got us here. And um, just to be able to be used by him and, and have the opportunities you have, you get to go to different cities and see all these different things and experience your dream, you know. And why wouldn't I work as hard as I could? And I feel like that's what, you know, honors God is really, really working and, that's and serving so good. people. That's and, really good. And one thing that, that I, I failed to mention uh, in the previous service, but I really think is probably the most true thing I've, I've heard is, you know, everybody can serve. And, and for me, I, I feel like, like for me, I was a practice squad quarterback and everyone in the organization looks at you like you're no one, which you aren't. And, and so... So, but at the same time, I could serve people. I could speak to every single person in the building. And that's everybody in the room. No matter wow, where we're that's at, so good. We, can, we can speak to people, we can serve them. So that's what I've learned. That's brilliant. Let me, let me ask this, because um, we, we were chatting probably midway through the season. And, and I asked you a question. And I said, if you were to get called onto active roster, because that's a lot of pressure. You know, it's one thing to be sitting on the bench and then to kind of get in the game and the pressure's on. I said, would you be nervous or are you ready? And you didn't even let me finish. You just said, I'm ready, like straight out, I'm ready. Tell us about that, carrying that expectation, that anticipation, uh, because the Bible says not to be anxious for anything, but, but it's good to have an anticipation that God's gonna break through. How has your prayer life been in this season? 
Yeah, um, I think, you know, the, that God's word is clear, that uh, Jesus is clear about, about humility. And I, it's just tough, you know, because you want to be, I think a lot of times the world wants to point everything to man in some way, shape, or form. But the more we can point to Jesus and just keep us in the background, it's a lot, it's a lot more pretty, you know? So um, I, I think that our prayer life together, um, what we enjoy doing, you know, because I think for me, when I, when I get bogged down with certain issues, it, it, it becomes worry. You know, and so we tried to pray every day, you know, for teammates that I knew were struggling or or that didn't know the Lord. And so we would go in the next day to work with a purpose. All right, today I'm going to serve this guy. And so maybe it's amazing. Yeah. You don't even pray for your own situation. You, oh, my goodness. Come on. That'll preach because so often people get so bogged down and praying, God, where's my deliverance? God, where's my vindication? God, where, where are you coming through for me? But to have an outward perspective to know that God you can still use me in this situation that's pretty powerful yeah because it's it's not a it's not a big deal though to me when you break it down like Jesus could have done something for himself he's already God and be done with it but he chose to to do it for all of us exactly and so that's the ultimate example of selflessness so it's simple it's not like I'm some great human being you know it's just Jesus God yeah, you just can't hold in what all he's done for you. I know everybody in here has got a testimony of something he's done. So why would you hold it in instead of sharing it with, with everyone? That's incredible. That's incredible. Come on, can we give it up for Dylan Thompson helping us set up the sermon? Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. Let me ask this question. How many people have got unmet expectations? I'm looking for 100% of the congregation today. Everybody, I'm sure, has some level of unmet expectations. And something that I've discovered in life as a follower of Jesus is that not always do my expectations align with what I experience, even as a follower of Jesus. So here's the question that I would like to kind of draw out of that, because that was a great story and a great perspective of carrying expectations and allowing God to reveal His experience that He has for your life. Amen. But I'd like to know, how do we consistently follow Jesus when our experience doesn't align with our expectations? Because I feel that's what happens when it comes to spiritual things. When it comes to spiritual things, we can often have preconceived ideas or preconceived notions of how God is meant to move in our life. And sometimes we carry this expectation that because I'm serving God, that God, you've got me. Oh God, you're going to take take care of everything. That that God, because now I'm serving you, don't you see what I do on a Sunday? Don't you see how I lead this area? And don't you see what I I come to church? Don't you see I I pay my tithe, God? So somehow, God, I know you're going to get me, right? You've got me, you're going to provide a way, which can be really confusing when we come along confusion in our path. When we come along a a situation that's challenging and it doesn't look like it's necessarily a progress, it sometimes seems like we've taken a step back. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes in our walk with God, we're, we're looking for God to take us higher, but sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes it feels like we come up against obstacles. And I wanna show you something in, in 2 Kings. You can turn there real quick. Because we're starting a brand new series today called Any Given Sunday. And in a way, over this series, my goal is to reveal how on any given Sunday or Monday or any day of the week for that much, how God is wanting to reveal to you that His purpose is not to meet your expectations. The truth is His plan is to exceed even your greatest expectations. 
Are you ready for it this morning? 2 Kings chapter 5 has recorded for us the story of Naaman. How many people know the story of Naaman? True story for me, the, the story of Naaman was the first play production that I was ever a part of. I grew up in a little Christian school. We did a, a, uh, a play called Naaman and I didn't even get a speaking part in it. I was a silent soldier, but I got a sword. So it was okay that I was in a play, men. Okay, it was okay that I was in a production because I had a sword and I loved that sword. I used that sword. But, but I wanna show you this story from Naaman because here we've got to give a little bit of background. Naaman is a commander in the king's army. And the king loved Naaman because he won for him many, many victories. He was a victorious commander of the, of the army. But, but at the same time as, as, as the king loved Naaman, he was very sad because Naaman had leprosy. And in those days, leprosy was a death sentence. You got leprosy, it was a matter of time before you die. And so, and so here we have in Naaman's household, a slave girl a Jewish slave girl that was taken by captivity and still even in the midst of captivity has the wherewithal to know God's promises are still true and His healing power is still available. And he, she encourages Naaman, her master, to go and seek out the prophet Elisha for her healing. And so pick up the story here in, in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 4, it says, So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king, of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying gifts of 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold and 10 sets of clothing. And the letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, everyone say the man of God. When Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Why are you so sad? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became very angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out and meet me, he said. I expected, everyone say expected. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpah better than any rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away and went in rage. Here we have a situation where Naaman is caught between expectation and experience. And Naaman right now is confronted with an experience that he wasn't expecting. Naaman was expecting a, an experience of elevation. He was expecting that if he did what the young girl said, if he went to the prophet, then, then God would surely elevate him. That, then God would heal him and it would be an, an experience of elevation because this is meant to be the, the great God. But this isn't how God often works in our life. How many people know that? Anybody who's been walking with God for a little while? That... 
that God's plan, because we often get confused because isn't God's plan to take us from strength to strength? Isn't that God how, how God's meant to work in our life? Isn't He meant to take us from glory to glory, from, from strength to strength, that, that God's gonna elevate us and He's gonna promote us? And, and this is surely what Naaman was expecting. But that's not happened. And I wonder this, I wonder this. I wonder if what God's plan in your life is not necessarily to take you higher, but to take you deeper. Can I help some people this morning? Anytime that you ask God to change an area of your life, you can always expect it to carry a challenge. Oh man, I'm preaching already. Naaman was confronted with disappointment. And disappointment in life always presents a choice. It can produce discouragement or it can develop determination. And you see, for, for Naaman, the, the challenge wasn't one of skill. It wasn't one of strength, which he was used to. It was one of humility. And so he appeals to Elisha, surely there's a better way. Surely one of the, one of the, the clearer Waters, one of the other rivers that were way more impressive would be a better way to, to kind of get healed. Surely even if we went to the beach and we had to face the monstrous waves and have a good show of strength and, and God and His miraculous power can, can, can cause something miraculous to happen, that surely there's a better way. But here, God was bringing humility. Because this is often how we approach the call of God in our lives. We often approach the call of God on our life as some form of elevation. Surely that's, that's exactly what I expected. I remember when God first spoke to me about serving Him with everything that I have. I was 15 years old. I remember being in a, a youth conference in this stadium and, and the guy was preaching and I didn't know what he was preaching because God was speaking to me. I know that this doesn't happen here because you know exactly what I'm preaching. But, but, but nonetheless, God was speaking to me while he was preaching and God was calling me and I can remember saying, okay, God, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna give you everything. I'm gonna serve you with all that I am. So where's my stadium? Which can be really confronting when you don't find yourself preaching in a stadium. You find yourself preaching in a hall full of teenagers that smell like pizza and puberty. That's a tough day, amen. Can I get a church in here to agree with me? And this is often what it looks like. We look for God to promote us and God to elevate us, but sometimes we find ourselves in very humbling situations. And this is the case for, for, for Naaman. He's, he's finding himself in a place where it's not higher, but I believe that God wanted to take him deeper. And, and sometimes we can make this, the mistake of connecting significance with an image rather than an impact. That's gonna help somebody. Sometimes we connect God's calling on our life with an image of what it's gonna look like for me, what I'm gonna look like in that season, what I'm gonna look like when, when God brings me through. But, but don't make the mistake because God's not connecting your calling with an image. He's connecting your calling with an impact. Even if nobody ever knows your name, will the impact be greater for God's glory? We're warming up. We're warming up. And it goes on to say this in verse 13, but his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if... The prophet had told you to do something very difficult. Wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child and he was 
healed. Naaman entered the waters where he dipped seven times. He, he surrendered his expectations and he humbled himself and was healed. I like what the old school preacher would say. He yielded and was healed. Now the significance in the fact that he had to wash in the Jordan River. I'm gonna need you to lean in a little bit today because I know those seats are comfortable here in San Jose and you Palo Alto folk aren't, aren't familiar with these seats. So, so if you have to just lean forward a little bit because I'm about to preach right now because there's some, something significant with the fact that it was the Jordan River because the Jordan River was unclean. It, it, it was a muddy river because of its makeup, just a little geography or history lesson here. The, 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 the Jordan River had a clay base. It still to this day has a clay base. So anytime you see the Jordan River, it's not nice. It's not clean. It's, it's muddy. It's, it's murky. There are other rivers close by that have got a sandy bottom, which are much prettier. And if you're gonna build a condo, build it right by those ones because they're a nice outlook every single day, but, but the Jordan River, everyone knew was muddy and murky. But, but, but what I often feel is most people miss the significance in every element of the Bible. That, that everything in the Bible holds significance if we would just read it. And can I share some thoughts around the muddy water? Because often we sign up for the mission that God has for us, but we don't expect that the mission comes with a lot of mess. Ministry especially can be, can be pretty muddy. It can, be, it can carry a whole lot of mess. I remember when, we, when I first started Bible college, I remember the very first lesson, the lecturer, he, he said, oh, I'm gonna give you guys the key to ministry today. I thought this is brilliant. I'm not gonna have to sit through four years of seminary. I'm just gonna get it on the first day. Thank you, that's how I like to work. Anybody else like that? Just, just give me the key, let me go, let me go. And then he wrote up on, on the board, Proverbs 14, verse four. And I gave the same response, just blank. I don't know that one. And he, he began to write up what Proverbs 14, verse four says. It says, without oxen, a stable stays clean but you need a strong ox for the large harvest. Still, I had a blank face like you. But then he went to paraphrase and he, he said this, no cattle, no crap, but without cattle, there's no crops. And that became the premise through which we applied the filter of ministry that, that so often we, we want the harvest and we preach about the harvest and the harvest is ripe and, and we get out in the harvest. But to get the harvest, sometimes you need cattle. And, and the cattle who, who reap in the harvest, the cattle aren't always clean because the cattle will, will deposit crap wherever they go. They'll just crap in the midst of the harvest. But, 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 but it's in that waste where, where God calls you to work within the mess because there's still a miracle even in the midst of the mess. And, and, and the, Jordan was, the Jordan was muddy. The, the Jordan was, was messy. It was, it was muddy waters. And, and I like this about the muddy waters because the muddy waters aren't clear. You can't see too far in the muddy waters. And that's so connected to the call of God at times in our life that, that, that God's calling is never really clear. God's calling is only ever one, one step. It's only the, ever the next step. And, and sometimes we need to trust that, that God's working, even though it's not clear with what God's doing, I gotta trust that God's still working. 
Seven times he had to dip. I wish I had more time in this sermon. I would preach about the significance of seven. But, but it can be frustrating, I find, for, for Naaman and even for us at times in life when it feels like we keep, we keep dipping and, and we keep diving under, but nothing's happening. Naaman dipped. And it'd be really handy if every time he dipped, if his disease began to decrease. If I was God, this is how I would have worked the miracle. I would have made sure that upon every dip, that every time he came up, because leprosy is a very visible disease. And I would have made sure for all the bystanders because it's all about God getting the glory from the healing. And if I wanted to keep name and dipping and I wanna keep everyone engaged in this thing called the call of God, then surely each time he dips, that, that sometime, that, that each time his disease begins to, to, to just to kind of decrease a little bit. That's how I would work it. But this is not how it works in our lives. It's not how it works when we're raising our kids. It's not how it works when we're grinding out a job that, feels like a dead end. It's not how it works when we feel like our finances don't seem to stretch as far as they need to. When we expect God's deliverance, but what we experience is dipping. Naaman had to dip seven times because in the midst, and that, would have, that was disappointing for Naaman. As soon as he was received the word from God to go and dip. He was, he was disappointed. But what I found is God can develop a determination in the, even in the midst of disappointment. And Naaman, he was familiar with elevation, but God wanted to develop something deeper in him, amen? Maybe God was wanting him to shift his focus of, the, of expecting the outcome to experiencing the power that comes with obedience. Hmm. Not just expecting the outcomes from God, but, but to learn the power that can come through simply obeying God's Word, even though I can't see the outcome, even though I don't see through the muddy waters, even though it's not clear what God's doing in this season, I'm looking for the outcome, I'm praying for the outcome, I'm praying, God, would you help me in this outcome? God, would you help me know it? But, but God's like, would you, just, would you just see the power in simply being obedient? Would you just discover the power that comes from obedience? from trusting me, knowing that I'm working even through what you can't see. So Naaman dips seven times, seven times. And whilst nothing is happening on the outside, you can be sure that God was developing a determination on the inside. And even in your situation, even though your circumstance isn't changing, I gotta tell you God's developing something on the inside. Oh man, that's a whole nother sermon. But this miracle is a miracle in the mud. The Bible is full of stories involving mud and miracles. We, we, we know the story. We know the story of the friend that brought they, the friends. They brought their friend on the mat to Jesus, and they couldn't get through the crowd to Jesus because the crowd was so big. So they had to go up on the rooftop. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All you Bible scholars in here, and they had to dig through the roof to get their breakthrough. They had to break through the clay because the the roofs of that day were made of clay and straw, and so they had to get the clay out of the way. It's a whole. That's a really good sermon. They had to get the clay out of the way, and, and we know the story of blind Bartimaeus. You know, where he comes to Jesus, and Jesus spits in the dirt. He makes mud and he puts it in his eyes, and as he washes it away, then vision begins 
begins to come. The Bible is full of stories with miracles and mud. And I like it because anytime the Bible talks about clay, mud or dirt, it's connected to humanity. But anytime the Bible talks about water, it's connected to the Spirit of God. And I like this because this is how God works. He works in partnership with us. His part is power. Our part is perseverance. His part is opportunity. Our part is obedience. His part, God's part is, is, is the outcome. God is responsible for the outcome. You're responsible for the obedience. And this is ultimately what God is more interested in, exposing me to the opportunities to exercise faith in the midst of opposition. So that in the midst of opposition, as I exercise faith, I begin to see and understand that God didn't want to to meet my expectations. He wanted to do something exceedingly, abundantly, above all I could ask or think. That God wanted to exceed even even, even the most audacious expectations that I had. That God's like, come on, watch what I can do in the midst of expectation. Watch what I can do that's exceedingly, abundantly, above expectations, amen. So maybe... God's plan is not higher elevation. Maybe, maybe God's plan is to take you deeper. To develop a, a deeper determination of faith. Because he says this, the Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. He's been healed now. They stood before him and Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So, so please accept this gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Here's God's plan for Naaman. Naaman's, God's plan for Naaman wasn't simple healing. His expectation was healing. Naaman went in expecting a healing, but God had an expectation that it was exceedingly abundantly above. And He didn't want him just to experience healing. He wanted him to experience salvation that cost him nothing. That even though it was, it was, it was graciously given, it didn't cost him a thing. That's what God's plan was. That Naaman, I don't want you just to experience healing. I want you to experience the power of salvation in your life. Nothing that you can earn, not by your measure, not by your strength, but exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or imagine. That's what I wanna do in your life. Oh. Oh. I hate the clock. Scrap it. I hate the clock. But I want to get to this point right here. Because this series is going to be about any given Sunday. And what I'm believing is that in this church on any given Sunday, people are going to find themselves in a place with a people that don't have it all polished, but that know what it is to to carry disappointments, that know what it is to carry struggles, that know what it is to, to, to push through the mud. And I like that God spoke to Naaman to, to dip. You missed it, I know you missed it, because I missed it the first time I read it too. This is gonna blow your mind. I'm saying that by faith. Because we often see the, the dip as 
as just a routine, as a humiliating process. But this is so often how our life goes. Our life isn't ever consistent. I don't know about you, but my life isn't just this consistent, calm, water, clear, water, paddle boat ride, romantic, you know, that's not what life looks like. Life has ups and life has downs. But this is the power in the dip, that when I go down, that all I have to do is keep trusting God, that even though I'm in the dip in life, even though I'm in the muddy waters, even though I can't see the way through, even though I can't see clear what God's doing in this season. I don't know what God's doing in this circumstance. Even though I'm in the dip, I'm gonna get back up. Even though I'm in the dip, I'm gonna rise again. Even though I'm in the dip, I wish I had a church that would dip with me. I wish I know a church that knows how to get down and a church that knows how to get back up. A church that knows how to dip and a church that knows how to get back up. A church that knows that even though the circumstance is unclear, I know my God will raise me. I know my God is developing something in me. I know that God is doing a work within me. I can't see the work. I don't know the work, but my God is calling for a simple obedience to just get back up, to just get back up, to just get back up. To know the power of the dip. Oh, to know the power of the dip. To not navigate it the way you think to not figure out God, even though I'm under the water right now, even though I'm in the midst of the mud right now, even though I've got the murkiness all around me right now, you don't have to figure it out. All you have to do is be obedient to God's Word and stay faithful to know that if He took you to the dip, He will take you out again and your miracle and your deliverance is coming. If you would just stay faithful, if you would just stay obedient, if you would just say, God, I'm gonna remain consistent, even in inconsistent circumstances, I'm gonna remain consistent. Look at your neighbour real quick. And tell them, watch me dip. Look at your other neighbour and say, watch me nay nay. I want to be a church that knows how to dip. I want to be a church that knows how to, how, how to, how to reveal God. How, how to not to say, man, we've got it all together. Look how polished and clear and clean we are. Yeah, we've been cleansed. Yeah, we've been cleaned. Yeah, we've been washed anew. But there are still things that God's working in my life. And if He can do it for me, then He can do it for you. If I know what it is to walk in the mess, the mess that you're walking through, just don't, don't give up in the dip. Keep pushing through. Keep standing again. Keep rising again. Knowing that my dip is developing a determination, a determination that my God will deliver me from this disease, a determination that He will deliver me from this desolate place, that He will deliver me from this distress, that He will deliver me from this disgrace. If I just keep dipping, 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 I can keep dipping. I might not be able to elevate myself, but I can keep dipping. I might not be able to figure it out, but I can keep dipping. I don't know why I'm pushing through the mud, but I can keep dipping and not let discouragement grab a hold of my life, but let a greater determination that my God, my God, my God will come through. Watch me dip. That should have been the sermon title. Scrub that out, right? Watch me dip. Watch me dip. I wanna be a church that knows how to dip. I wanna be a church that that knows how to push through the mud. We don't hide it. Just don't hide it. It's real. 
struggles, there's hardships, there's life, there's confusion. But even though I might find there's areas of dipping in my life, my God is able to bring me through and He will deliver me. I don't know, it would be handy if I knew how many times to dip. Naaman had to dip seven times. That was made plain. But I don't know if I'm on the fifth time. I don't know if I'm on the sixth time. It might be my seventh time. It might be your seventh time. But my word to you is no matter what time it is, no matter how many times you've dipped, just keep dipping. Just keep trusting. Just keep being obedient. And watch as God will begin to deliver you as in His time. But what He's delivering... Even in the midst, while He's not delivering you, He's developing a determination within you. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. For more information about C3 Silicon Valley, to plan your first visit, or if you'd like to support this ministry financially, please visit us at our website at c3sv.com. Thank you.